and welcome to mini episode 75 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Before we start off this week, I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who reached out after Wednesday's episode. It was really nice to hear everybody being, you know, glad that I was back telling stories and all that jazz. And I am totally aware that it's not the same as I said in my update. And uh, I think really this is going to be the way things are until I find my feet a little bit actually physically recording episodes is going to help me to uh, figure out an alternation to the general format of each episode which isn't going to change that much I don't think but just to keep you updated that that's where I'm at and thank you I plan on releasing a main episode on Sunday I don't know how that's going to go if it's not released don't worry about it it just means I haven't been able to get my head in the game to be able to release it but there will be listener episodes every Wednesday and Friday as per usual and I've got three lovely stories for you this week and the last story is from July 22nd 2020 let's do this story number one comes from Sharner my first experience that really frightened me was when I was 12 I had walked home from school with my friend to her house as we usually did. She always had the house to herself for an hour before her parents would be home and didn't like being in the house on her own, not for paranormal related reasons. Side note, her front and back door both had those Yale locks on them that automatically locked themselves once clicked shut so you can only get in from the outside with a key. She always double-checked both the doors were locked before we settled down to homework or whatever else 12-year-olds do. We headed upstairs first to the bathroom, where while she took off her makeup, I slumped into the bath, bum on the bottom with my legs hanging over the side. We eventually went into the spare bedroom, which was pretty much an empty room with walk-in wardrobes and a few boxes of random storage. We took our places and started practicing our dance routine when we heard, Hello in a loud, deep male voice from the bottom of the stairs. We froze and looked at each other wide-eyed. We both knew that it wasn't her dad's voice and no one else had keys to the house. She suddenly reacted and we ran to the bedroom and bolted the door. We were listening at the door and I whispered, What do we do? Both our phones were in our bags down the hall in her bedroom. We considered making a run for it to the phones, Maybe we were mistaken and the voice was outside. And then... Thud. 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 Somebody was coming up the stairs. We bolted away from the door across the room and stood with our backs against the window. Thud. 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 It reached the top of the stairs and stopped outside the door. Nothing. For about a minute we stood there waiting to see what would happen next. Then water started running. We couldn't tell where it was coming from. We turned to look out the window. Her house was in an L shape and we could see into the kitchen from the window. There was nobody there and the sink was visibly off. We crept to the door to get a better listen and it sounded like the shower. After about a minute my friend shouted, Who's there? But nothing. I whispered, Get weapons. She grabbed the hoover pipe and the only thing I can get to quietly is a scuba diving flipper. Great. I shrugged and looked at my friend and we started giggling at the sight of the flipper raised above my shoulder and from sheer nervousness we just couldn't stop giggling. And then bang! Outside the window. It sounded like a metal ladder that had been put up against the wall. We stopped giggling 
and with nowhere to hide from the view of the window, we just stood there, terrified, holding on to each other. A minute passed, with nothing happening, and we plucked up the courage to head to the window and have a look, and just as we got to within a foot of the window, a face appeared. We screamed, and I literally pissed my pants. It was the fucking window cleaner. My friend had known him for years and quickly opened the window and told him that we thought that someone was upstairs in the house. We had no way of getting him into the house other than through the window because the house keys were in her bag with the phones. So he climbed into the room through the window, told us to lock ourselves back in the bedroom and he would go and check the house. He came back to say there was definitely no one in the house and the front and back door were still locked. He waited with us until her parents got home. We told them everything that happened and they didn't believe us, putting it down to overactive imaginations. I went to use the bathroom before her mum took me home, and in the bath were water droplets, like someone had been in the shower. I shouted for my friend, and she came in to see it for herself. And that's when she pointed to the floor, and there were two adult male-sized wet footprints on the bath mat. We showed her parents, and they looked unnerved. They still dismissed it but couldn't give us a rational explanation as to where they could have come from and like I said, I had been sat in that bath before this happened and it was bone dry. The first time I moved out of my parents' house at 17 years old, I moved into a tiny two-bedroom terrace with my sister Roxanne and her friend Francine who were both 19. It was one of those where the only two rooms downstairs were the kitchen and the living room with the front door leading straight into the living room. There were always creepy things happening in that house, and we used to joke it was a little girl that lived under the stairs playing tricks on us. Things would go missing, and turn up days later where they originally had been. We would see shadows under the bedroom door as something would scratch at it. The DVD player would turn itself on, the door curtain in the living room would sway into the room like someone was pushing it from the other side. One day, sat in the living room, we were telling friends about the ghost when we heard a slam and something hit the floor in the kitchen. The sliding door on the top cupboard was open and the bread was on the other side of the kitchen, but none of this compares to our night of terror. Roxanne's boyfriend came over in the evening to pick her up, leaving me and Francine alone in the house. They hadn't been gone long when we heard scratching at the front door. We thought it was just Roxanne winding us up and ignored it. Then we heard it again, accompanied by the sound of bells, like the ones you would find on a cat's collar. We started to get creeped out after hearing this three or four times and text Roxanne saying, Stop, we know it's you, hoping that she would say that it was her and not another creepy happening. She replied that it wasn't her. We heard it again scratching and bells jingling at the front door. We braved it and decided to check it out. The front door was blocked by the sofa so we never used it. We went out the back door and down the alleyway. It was dark out but the street was well lit. There was a stack of sticks bound in string leant up against our front door like some sort of voodoo or witchcraft looking thing. We shit ourselves. Straight away I called Roxanne, looking up and down the street while calling, and we caught the glimpse of the back end of a car pulling away down a side street off the bottom of our small road. Roxanne answered and I said, 
We know it's you. Please stop. It's really not funny. But when she had answered the phone, she had to turn down the music in the car to hear me. The street the car had gone down led around the back of our house. And if it had been her in the car, we would have been able to hear the music. She promised it wasn't her. And being the most rational of the three of us, she laughed and told us we were overreacting. We weren't making this shit up. We were about to head inside when a car slowed down to the top of the street to a crawling pace. We were sure it was the car from the side street and could see now it wasn't Roxanne's boyfriend's car. It had gone around the block full circle and then sped off as soon as we noticed it. For a clearer picture, our street had a row of about 10 terraced houses on it from top to bottom and ours was in the middle. So we had quite a clear view from our house to the top and bottom of the street. We headed back inside, talking about the car and how weird that was, trying to think of people we knew with a car like that that might be winding us up, but we came up empty. No one we knew would do this to us. All I can tell you about the car is it was dark blue and like a boxy estate shape. We both had no idea about car makes or models. The bells began to ring again and the scratching started as soon as we were back inside the house. There was no way that car could have gotten back to us so quickly. We ran upstairs to the bedroom window that looked out over the front door. That same car was outside the house. Too high up to see who was in it, we just watched, shaken, as it crawled down the street and again off down the side street. The car appeared at the top of the street, slowed down to a crawl and then sped off again. It was like they were making sure we saw them or slowing to see if they could see us. The bells began to ring again. We were at the window and we could see there was nobody there to be making that noise. We couldn't make any sense of it all and how the sticks, the bells and the scratching and the car were somehow linked. And the car was back. It pulled into the top of the street, drove straight past the house and down the side street. A minute later it would appear at the top of the street, slowing to a crawl before speeding off and it did this three more times. We were really freaking out now. Who the hell was it and why? We called Roxanne again and told her what was going on. She could hear how worked up we were and promised that it isn't anything to do with her and told me to call our stepdad to come over and he will tell whoever it is in the car to do one. It's here again. The car's at the top of the street, Francine told me. This time it was stopped and you could make out a man in the driver's seat looking towards the window we were standing in. It wasn't lit enough to give a description of the man but enough to tell that they were looking in our direction. Roxanne said to go and see who it was. And clearly she would be the first to die in a horror movie. There was no way we were going outside. I ended the call and went to call my stepdad when there was a bang downstairs from the living room and we realised that we hadn't locked the back door. Just then we were plunged into darkness as the power went out. We screamed, jumped on the bed and huddled together crying from the fright. My stepdad didn't answer. So I called my mum and she picked up and I just started shouting, Send Bob round now, send Bob! I must have terrified her and she started asking, Where are you? What's going on? I'm at home, just send Bob! 
She heard how upset I was and, in a panic, she was shouting at him to get to my house now. She asked where Francine and Roxanne were. Roxanne's not here. Me and Francine are in the bedroom. The power's out and there's a car outside watching us and the back door's open. By now with how I'm acting, my poor mum is confused and worried, but told me that Bob had left and was on his way. Thankfully, we only lived five minutes drive away and he arrived quickly, but quicker than we were expecting, so we didn't know it was him at first, when he burst into the house shouting, Where are you? He was obviously expecting to find and confront an intruder in the house. Us upstairs, not knowing it was him that had come into the house, we screamed to high heavens at the sound of him shouting, and he came barreling up the stairs and flew into the bedroom. We honestly thought at this point it was the blue car person coming to murder us, so we screamed again and then saw it was actually Bob. He told us there was no one in the house. We calmed down and went to inspect the house with him. The power going out was just unlucky timing. We had forgotten to top up the meter. But the rest of it... Who knows? The sticks were gone. There was nothing out of place in the house and the blue car was gone. Needless to say, we didn't stay in the house that night and we never found out what any of it was. We told everyone we knew about that night. And we were certain that it wasn't any of them that were at the bottom of it. We only lived there for another six months after this and little things carried on happening in the house. But we never saw that car again and we never heard the bells again. I have never been so scared in all my life. I know this one might not necessarily sound paranormal, but it was so strange when put together with all the other goings on in the house. When I was 19, I lived in a newly built house with three of my friends. Nothing creepy happened in this house for the first year that we lived there, but one morning after getting ready for work, something happened. I was stood at my patio doors in the kitchen having a coffee and a cigarette before going to work. It was about 7.30am and bright sunshine outside. I saw movement from the corner of my eye in the next room assuming it was one of the girls looking for something. I just ignored it until she stopped in the doorway to the kitchen not moving. I turned to ask what was wrong but it wasn't one of my friends. There was a man looking at me about six foot tall in what I can only describe as pilgrim dress. He had a long jacket with a belt around it, three-quarter length trousers and the pilgrim's tall hat with a buckle on the front. All I could think was, why can I see through you? I was looking at him, but I could still faintly see the street and the houses through the window that was at the back of the dining room behind him. After about 30 seconds, he turned and walked to the left of the room where there was only a wall, and I just stood there, staring into an empty doorway. I wasn't frightened at all and didn't feel threatened. I walked towards the dining room, never taking my eyes off the doorway. There was definitely no one in there, and they couldn't have gone out of the room without passing my line of vision. I've looked into the history of the area. I'm from Nottingham and apparently the famous Mayflower pilgrimage had many people from Nottingham as passengers on that voyage to America in 1620, and nothing else ever happened in that house. And story number two comes from Lily. The house that I grew up in was built in the 80s by a couple that my parents actually knew, and were also part of our congregation at church. 
so it's not like the house had a major history as my family was only the second to own it and the previous owners were still alive and well. My room was at the end of the hallway and many times I had the sensation of someone watching me. When this would happen, I would simply distract myself with my dolls or leave the room. One night I was laying on my bed, looking up at the ceiling, when suddenly I was overcome with a full body chill and the hair on the back of my neck stood on end. I heard a sharp, clear whisper directly in my ear. Run! I shot up out of bed, feeling something right on my heels and ran to the kitchen where my mom was. It wasn't until years later that I actually told her what happened. My next experience did not happen until I was a junior in high school. My parents had recently divorced and my dad had kept the house. It was decided that I would stay there with him so as not to uproot me as I took the divorce pretty hard. Side note, it's important to mention that I have always made a point to close my closet door before going to sleep, even now as an adult living with my fiancé. On this particular night, I awoke suddenly, but in a very gentle manner. When I opened my eyes, I was facing the wall where my closet was, and it was open. That's weird, I thought. After a moment, my eyes had adjusted to the darkness, and I could make out the clear shape of a man, almost like a silhouette standing inside my closet. I felt my heart begin to race, but I didn't really feel threatened. I watched it for a moment blinking, trying to make sense of what I was seeing. Keeping my eyes on the unmoving figure, I reached for the phone on the nightstand. I dialed my dad, who was asleep in his room. He answered groggily at first, and then concerned. Hello? Where where are you? I choked out a whisper, looking away from the man. Dad, I'm in my room and somebody's in my closet. He was immediately at my bedroom door and flipped the light on and the figure was gone. The next time I saw this figure would be a year later when my friend was spending the night. Again, I awoke suddenly in the same gentle manner, my eyes opening to see my closet door agape and the figure of the man standing there. I stared at it calmly and thought to myself, Ah, you again. A minute passed and suddenly I heard my friend beside me whisper hesitantly, Lily, do you see that man in your closet? I shot up out of bed and flipped the light on. Instantly, the figure was gone. I was stunned that she had seen him too, and it took us quite a while to fall back asleep after that, and I have never seen this figure since that night. As for my oldest brother, there is a 20-year age gap between the two of us. His experiences started long before I was born, when he was about four or five. At the time, he and my mom lived in the first floor unit of a townhouse. On the outside of this house was a staircase that ran up the side to a balcony belonging to the second floor tenants. One afternoon, my grandma stopped by to visit with mom and my brother. Letting herself in and walking through the house, she came to the kitchen where she saw Alex sitting on the floor with a little boy about the same age. She recalls that this boy was absolutely filthy. A bit grossed out by the state of the child, she went to the bedroom where my mom was folding laundry and asked her, Who is that little boy playing with Alex? It looks like he's covered in dirt. My mom looked at her confused and said, What little boy? 
Walking out into the kitchen, she sees Alex playing alone. My mom asks, Alex, who was here with you? And my brother casually responded, my friend, but he had to go home, and pointed towards the empty lot directly behind the house. My mom later discovered that the house previously situated on that empty lot had burned down years prior. From that point, Alex continued to bring up his friend, telling my mom that the boy's name was Starty, and even one day telling my mom something about Starty that sent a chill up her spine. First he was one, and then he was two, and then he was three, but he was never four. My mom, someone I believed to be a sensitive, began to feel the presence of the child standing at her hip each time she was washing the dishes. Late one night, my brother came out to the TV room where my mom was. He had been asleep and she was surprised to see him awake. He stood there in a daze and said nothing. And then she saw that he was clutching a pair of his underwear in his hand. Did you have an accident? She asked. My brother said nothing, held his arms straight out in front of him, dropped the underwear and bolted back to his room. Concerned, and frankly a little bit creeped out, she went after him, only to find him fast asleep in his bed. After this, she began putting him to bed in the living room, where she took up a protective vigil over him. She even hung a rose around the wall, in the hopes that it would ward off any negative entities. One night, she left the room briefly to get a glass of water, leaving my brother asleep on the couch. From the kitchen, she heard the sound of beads scattering. She ran back to the living room to find the beads of the rosary scattered all over the floor and my brother awake, telling her he had opened his eyes to see the rosary sliding steadily down the wall and the beads scattering once it touched the floor. My mom moved them out of the house soon after that. My brother remembers this night, but not much else of his experiences there. He does, however, recall something truly bizarre. It was after he watched the movie Mary Poppins for the first time. He was fascinated by the way Mary Poppins travelled so gracefully through the sky with her umbrella. He decided he'd like to see if he could do the same. He grabbed an umbrella and went outside to climb the staircase on the side of the house up to the second floor balcony. He says that once he reached the balcony, he remembers a voice trying to talk him out of what he was about to do. Dismissing the voice, he opened the umbrella and jumped from the balcony. Instead of falling fast and hard to the ground as you would probably expect, he floated through the air like a feather with a feeling of hands holding him under his arms before being gently placed onto the ground. He doesn't know who or what saved him, but looking back he knows he should have been seriously hurt or worse. But this wouldn't be the last time his life was saved by the eerie yet protective force. In his early 20s, my brother was riding a motorcycle down a winding country road when he lost control of the bike. The bike skidded out from underneath him, grinding against the road with sparks flying. At the same time, he felt the familiar feeling of hands holding him under his arms and once again he was placed gently on the ground. He stood there completely unharmed and in disbelief staring at the wrecked motorcycle. He is in his mid-40s now and has not had any more experiences for quite some time, but he believes that something or someone has followed him throughout his life. And story number three comes from Jasmine. I've studied in a boarding school, and as you know, 
all boarding schools have some spooky horror stories. My school had its fair share of ghost stories, but the most haunted place of all was the girls' boarding. We had huge dorms and a few small dorms meant for the seniors. The dorm assigned to me was the central dorm. I stayed in the boarding for a good five years, and this happened to me when I was 15. I was assigned to the central dorm and our beds were also assigned by the warden. My bed was parallel to the changing rooms. There was a full-length mirror a few feet away from my bed and I just had to take a turn to see the entire dorm. Frankly speaking, I was a scaredy cat and didn't want to see anyone standing next to my bed in the mirror, so I made a habit of covering the mirror every night before I slept. I'm a heavy sleeper and wouldn't wake up even if the world was ending. But one night I woke up earlier than usual. I could tell the time was around 5 in the morning as the common room lights were turned on and we had to wake up at 5.15 for the morning PT. I didn't bother sleeping again and just lay awake thinking about school and random stuff when all of a sudden I heard someone giggling. It resembled that of a child, just like the giggles we hear in horror movies. It took me some time to pinpoint the place where it was coming from. It was coming from near the door at the end of the corridor. Before I could blame it on a ghost, the giggling started to become louder and louder as it came closer to the changing room. I panicked and started praying. I absolutely did not want to see any ghost, so I shut my eyes and pretended to sleep while praying for my life. The giggling sound went further and stopped when it reached the door. I stopped praying and listened. Only to my horror, the giggling started again and this time in the changing room. It had jumped from the door and was now less than five metres away from my bed. I started praying again, hoping that it would stop, only this time it didn't stop. It had gone back to the door, but it didn't stop. I stopped praying to check if it would come closer, and it did. It jumped to the changing room again. I started praying and didn't stop until it was time for everyone to wake up. As soon as the morning bell rang, I jumped from my bed and checked the corridor as the giggling had stopped when the bell rang. There was no one I could blame it on. Not really scared anymore, I went to one of my seniors who usually woke up early to ask her if she was there. That day, she said she had woken up early as usual and had in fact been taking a bath at the time that I heard the giggling. I asked her if she had heard anyone giggling while she was in the bath. She hadn't heard anything which made me question if I was just hallucinating. So I brushed off the incident and went on with my routine. The next night I covered the mirror again and slept without thinking much about the previous night's incident. That night I slept without any worries, only to be shaken awake at midnight. It was like someone had grabbed my foot and shook me. I was confused and scared. Not wanting a repeat of the previous night, I covered my face with my blanket and started praying when I heard a woman singing. It was coming from the corridor and was moving towards the dorm. My praying was not working as it moved from the changing room past my bed to the dorm on the right where it stopped. I waited for a good minute before peeking out to check if it was gone. And there it was. On the bed next to mine was a black silhouette of a woman who had messed up hair. She was crouching on the bed while looking at me. I covered my head and prayed for my life and fell asleep somehow. The next day I absolutely refused to sleep and let anyone sleep, fearing something might happen again. 
One of my seniors asked me what happened and after hearing my story, she told me to stop covering the mirror. It showed that I was afraid and hence the things were happening to me. I didn't cover that night or any other night after that and nothing else happened. It might have done me some good though because I'm no longer afraid of ghosts. Thank you to Sharner, Lily and Jasmine for your stories and if you would like to submit your own story you can do so by emailing reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also find out loads of information about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening and we shall see you next week. <laughs>